Uh, you know, I spoke here one time. The only time I've ever spoken here was a, a men's event. It was a steak dinner, and I got, I got paid steak. So I'm hoping I had it after the first service, and I'll get it again the second, you said, right? That's how that's normal for here, right? Actually, the reason why I'm here is uh, I was a pastor for 20 years. Scott and I go way back. You're Pastor Scott, and I go way back. I've been friends for a long time, and uh, I, when I moved to the district office, I thought, oh, great, I get to go hear Scott preach sometimes. So I've been here like 50 times. Does he ever speak? Like, I'm like, where is he? Every time I show up, Scott's not here. So, and the reason why I'm here today is he said, hey, I'm preaching on, on the 27th, show up. So I get here, and there's a note on the door that says, I'm just kidding, I'm on vacation, you're on. So that's why I'm here, and um, take it or leave it, I guess. You have just moved uh, from a series called Sacrificial Servants, and you're moving into a series on just living on mission with the Lord. And so I got to be a chance to uh, do a little segue to that, uh, that series. So what do you think of when I say the words, your mission, should you choose to accept it? Yeah, so you, you know, you love the movies, probably. Uh, I see a few people out there probably remember something like a TV show about that, so I know. I'm, but yeah, we, we like the idea of being on an adventure and being on mission. I don't know if you ever associate that with your faith in Jesus Christ. But when you actually, when you search the internet or certainly when you search scripture, you will see that living on mission is a very Christian thing to do. At least it should be. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, when I first uh, became a Christian, I was 18 years old, and not long after that, I had uh, a call that I thought I would be a missionary overseas somewhere, and three different times, the Lord closed the doors for me to go overseas. And I thought, why is that? But here's the truth. I'm not a missionary, but I'm still on mission with Jesus. And that's true for you too. You are on mission with Jesus. Uh, he has a part for you to play in this mission. What part are you playing? That's, that's the question. Some of you, I think, may receive some notes. I'm gonna stick to those, but if you'll notice at the top of that, it says that God doesn't have a mission for his church. Sometimes we think that we've got a lot going on as a church. Oh, and by the way, we have a mission to do as well. The truth is, when you study scripture, God has a church for his mission. It's like, that's our main thing. It's, it's our main purpose. It's why we still exist on this planet, is because we have a mission. And it is a mission that God has given. Are you choosing to live it? Are you choosing to receive it? If you have a Bible, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10. So open those Bibles, or if you do the phone thing, I won't judge you. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, as we look at Luke 10, the first two words in most translations of Luke 10, 1 say, after this. I don't know how long you've been re reading the Bible, but whenever you read words like after this, you should stop for a second and go, well, after what? And so as you're finding Luke 10, Jesus, or the word says, after this, well, if you backed up into Luke chapter 9, at verse 51, you will find what is known as the turning point of Luke's gospel. The turning point in Luke's gospel, Luke 9, 51, it says that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Some translations say he turned his face toward Jerusalem. And what would he do in Jerusalem? He would give his life. He would die on the cross as a sacrifice 
sin for the whole world. And that's at Luke 9.51, the whole thing's turning with greater intentionality and focus. And our passage starts after that. You could actually back up into Luke 9, uh, verses 23 to 25. It's this radical call to discipleship that Jesus had given his followers. He's like, he says things like, if you don't lose your life, you will never find it. You have to, you have to die to yourself and follow me. That's a radical call to decide. After that, our passage will take off. You could actually go all the way back into early part of chapter 9, where Jesus previously had sent out his 12 closest disciples on mission, and they go out and they experience good things and bad things, hard things and easy things. And it's after all of this in Luke chapter 9 that we're going to pick up our passage. So Luke 10, verse 1, and after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he would go. Stop there for a moment. I want you to know something that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, our lives are inseparably linked to his. Whatever he does, we do. Wherever he goes, we go. That's what it means to live on mission with Jesus. And notice that at the end of verse 1, he's sending them out, not, by, not alone, either two by two. He sends them out to every town and place where he was still yet to go. He hadn't been there. I want you to think about that for a moment. If you've ever lived your life in such a way that you've, you've tried to bring God up, Jesus somehow, maybe you've shared a little bit of your testimony or your story, or you've shared a little bit of the gospel, and people just... Like there's no response. There, or if there is a response, they look at you like you've got three heads or something. You know, like there's just, you can think, okay, that didn't work. But listen, according to this verse, Jesus is just sending you ahead of where he will still yet go. There are other things that Jesus is doing in people's lives that you don't know yet. On the other side, have you ever <laughs> said something really clumsy, something kind of clunky? You thought, man, I said something, and it didn't make any sense, and the person goes, oh, I've been thinking the same thing, and, and it opens up questions, and you think, how did they get that from here? It's because Jesus has already gone ahead of you, and you just get to follow that up. The point is, either way, Jesus has invited you to be on mission with him. And so he says in verse 2, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is one of a, a few places where Jesus actually commands his disciples to pray and actually tells us exactly what to pray for. Like, here's the prayer, and just pray it. And so have any of you taken the 10-2 challenge? Anybody, have you ever heard of the 10-2 challenge? All right, a couple of hands. Okay, we want to get every hand up on this. Here's the 10-2 challenge. The 10-2 challenge is where you take your phone and you set your phone alarm for 10.02 every morning. 10.02 every day, your alarm dings, and at that moment, you pray Luke 10-2. And you pray for God to send out more workers into the harvest field, into the mission field. And so you might actually pray for some missionaries some international workers that have been through your church. But here's what I'd rather you pray for in addition to that is to pray for those sitting in this room. Pray for your friends. Pray for the, pray for the family at Freshwater Church. 
Pray for yourself that you might be on mission with Jesus, to be awakened to the purpose and privilege of our lives being inseparably linked to Jesus, Monday through Saturday, not just Sundays. That's the 10-2 challenge. And notice in verse three, the next word Jesus says is go. He wastes no time answering this prayer. So be warned that if you do pray this, you're actually gonna be part of the answer to the prayer. And we're, we're not gonna take each verse this slowly, by the way. We're gonna start looking at a few passages, longer sections, but there is a pattern here. If you're taking notes, you'll see it. And the pattern is this. Go out, report back, praise God. That's the pattern. So say that with me. Go out. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna need a little bit more than that. Okay. Go out, report back, and praise God. So we're going to talk about that pattern. We're going to spend the most, the majority of our time on what it means to go out. Because sometimes I think we have, we think more of it than we should and less of it than we should. So here's, I'm just going to read verses 3 to 16 now. Follow along as I read. Jesus says, go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages, and do not move around from house to house. Verse 8, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we will wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. And then verse 16. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Now, there's a lot going on in that extended passage. And so we're going we're gonna to take a little time to press into what Jesus is saying here. But I want to start at verse 16, the very end of that. If you hear nothing else today, catch this one. Verse, seven, or verse 16 is the umbrella for what it means to have successful mission. How do you know if you're successful? Verse 16 is it. If people listen to you, they're not really listening to you. They're listening to Jesus, who's speaking to their hearts. If they reject you, they're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. They're, they're not listening to Jesus. They're not responding to him. So that's the umbrella for successful mission. But you've got to be on mission. Let me just say it one more time. If you somehow get words out or you do things in the name of Jesus and people respond to the message, You've just gotten the privilege 
of being an instrument of God's work, but you don't get any of the credit for leading them to Christ. And likewise, if they reject you, if they fight with you, if they stiff, stiff arm you, you still get the privilege of being God's instrument on the earth, and you don't get the blame for it. So the point is, the umbrella of successful mission is that you can't blow this as long as you're following Jesus faithfully. So if you hear nothing else, just take that one home. But Jesus does give us a little bit more to go on in this, in this passage. So in your notes, if you're following, we're going to see, first of all, the means of our mission. The means of our mission. And the means of our mission is trust. That we learn to trust God, specifically in two ways. Look at verse 3. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Listen, we got to trust God's protection. He sends us out like lambs among wolves. Boy, that sounds fun, doesn't it? Like, really? I wish Jesus said, you know, we just sang, he's the, he's the roaring lion. Like, send us out like lions among wolves. That's what I want. Like, send us out like grizzly bears among, grizzly bear, rip up a wolf. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. And lambs are innocent, and lambs are vulnerable, and lambs are sacrificial. And for our world, it's, it's counterintuitive that Jesus would do this. But listen, church, our, our mission is not about forcing people and, and coercing people and power plays. It's not about telling people what they ought to do and what they shouldn't do. It's about serving people and loving people and looking for opportunities to help them pick up the pieces of their lives just like someone helped pick up the pieces of your life. And that's what it means to be sent out like lambs among wolves. But keep trusting his protection because wolves bite. And don't, don't be shocked when you're resisted. Don't be shocked when somebody bites back. But don't doubt for a minute that God has your back. He will protect you. That's what he's saying. And in verse 4, we need to trust his provision because he says, I don't want you to take purses and sandals and bags. You're going to go, and I'm going to provide for you what you need. Now, listen, we're not being sent out to all these different towns. We all have lives and homes and places like Wadsworth, Ohio. And I just want to tell you, the application for me is that we need to start living more simply. We need to travel light because when we're so encumbered by the stuff of this world, we cannot be as faithfully and intentionally on mission because we're worried about so many other things. So let your message reflect the gospel. We come to Christ alone and he is enough. Let's live lives like that so they are actually worth, worth listening to. So trust, that's the means of our mission, trust. The, the message of our mission is down in verses 8 through 11, specifically at verse 9. I want to read that again. Jesus says, here's your, here's your message. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near. That's our message. It's a message in deed and in word. We demonstrate the kingdom and we proclaim the kingdom. Now, I'm making a point of this because no matter what the response is, in verse 9, if it's a wonderful response, it's the kingdom of God. If in verse 11, people are rejecting you and resisting you, look what the message is. 
the kingdom of God is near. The message never changes, regardless of the response. And our message is Christ and his kingdom. Now, I'm saying this, I'm emphasizing this, because we have uh, shortened or shrunk the gospel to this kind of a message. Accept Jesus, because when you die, you won't have to go to hell, you will go to heaven. And, and, and that's true. Jesus saves our lives. He forgives us of our sins so that we can go to heaven and not live in eternal separation and torment from God. But I want to tell you that that's only part of the message. It's, if you only tell that part, it's good, but it's incomplete. Jesus says, tell them that the kingdom of God is near. It's a fuller message. There's more to the story than your personal salvation. Your eternal life doesn't begin when you die. Eternal life begins now. You don't enter the kingdom when you die. You enter the kingdom when you receive Christ and your life actually begins. And that's a story we're not telling people. When I pastored, we saw many people make decisions to trust Christ as their savior. Many people got baptized. We were so overjoyed when we'd see this and then we wouldn't see them again. And I kind of look back and I think God was just saying, well, they're just doing the message you gave them. They know that the, the thing really takes, takes effect when they die and we missed something there. Then I start to think about my own life. You think about yours as well. When I accepted Christ as an 18 year old, my life was spinning and spiraling apart. Listen, I didn't care a lick about heaven. I didn't even think about heaven. What I thought was, I am trapped right now. I am stuck. I am desperate. I am wrecking my life, and I'm 18 years old. I needed to know that the message applied now, and that's the, king, that's the message of the kingdom. In fact, don't take my story for it. Look back at Luke 4 for just a second. Luke chapter 4, it's something that Jesus has already declared about why he came and the message he came to proclaim. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me, all right, because he's anointed me, why? To preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There's a whole lot more going on when you come to Christ and enter his kingdom than just you get to go to heaven when you die. And so church, I'm just telling you, start to learn what the message of Christ and his kingdom is. We enter the kingdom through Christ and eternal life begins now. And that's the fuller gospel. That's the fuller message of our mission. Can you remember when you were set free and what that was like? That's the message that we're giving. And that's the message we, may, we must proclaim and show. So our means is trust. Our message is Christ and his kingdom. That leads us now to the method. And in these verses, Jesus gives us a strategy, I believe, a strategy to think beyond just random acts of kindness. And the, the, it's like a ripple effect. The method is a ripple effect. It goes from individuals to households to towns, to towns and cities. And this is a strategy Jesus is showing. Look at verse 6. He mentions the owner of a house. If the owner of the house welcomes you, 
What he's saying is there are people who are already ready to welcome you, welcoming the message of Jesus. You're looking for people, individuals who are responsive. He also calls this person in verse 6 a man of peace. Do you see that? A man of peace. You should know this, that in Middle Eastern cultures, even to this day, uh, they're not very open to many outsiders. And so there are people known as people of peace, persons of peace. And what they do is they kind of give access to people who are from the outside. They, they give approval, like, it's okay, I know this person, you can trust them. That's a person of peace. And as we're traveling about our days, there are people of peace who help give us access. Maybe their life gets changed by the gospel and they, they start saying, you should listen to what he's got to say or what she's got to say. Or maybe they're not even responsive to the message, but they're open to help you get through there. So know that people of peace don't always come in uh, the wrapper that you think. When, when we were planting our church in the little town that we went to, small town, so small towns are kind of closed to outsiders, and I noticed that there was an office for rent, and the landlord uh, was right next door in his office. And so I walked in, and I met Jerry Hoovler. Now, Jerry Hoovler was an old, I mean, like, one of those old crotchety guys, and he was huge. Bald head, wore a suit every day. He had been retired for like 50 years. He was ancient and hardened. And I walked in and I knocked on the door and I said, uh, hello, Mr. Hoover. My name is Dennis Turner and I uh, wanted to know if we could rent the office next to, to you. There was a for rent sign. He goes, what are you doing there? I said, well, we're, we're gonna start a church. Um, and I was getting ready to explain. He cuts me off midstream. He goes, are you a fly-by-night operation? And I had no idea what that meant. And I said, no, we are not, sir. And I prayed, like, Jesus, I hope we're not a fly-by-night operation. So, and so he said, well, I'm, I'm here to make money off of you. And I'm like, okay. Now, Jerry had been the school superintendent. He'd been a councilman. He'd been a consultant for all kinds of development projects. Jerry knew everybody, and everybody either loved him or most of them hated him. But he had influence in this town. And I said, so will you rent it to us? He said, if you pay your rent. I said, we'll pay our rent. And I said, do you have a, a lease agreement or a contract we can sign? He finally stands up from behind his desk, sticks this massive gnarled hand out to me. He goes, there's your bleeping contract. Although he didn't say bleeping. He said the real McCoy. And I thought, okay, Jesus, I'm either signing the deal with the devil right now or this is an opportunity. And I stuck my hand in his and we shook hands. And Jerry Hoovler was the most un, you know, unassuming person of peace, but he gave us access to this town. Listen, you've got to be looking for people who are responsive. People, you're, you're, you're going to cast seed to lots of people, but there are going to be people, and in your spirit, God's going to prompt you, don't look at it with your eyes, let the Lord lead. That's individuals. And then in verses 5 and 6 and 7, it's, it's also speaking about these houses. In, in that day, households were were servants and maybe extended families. There would be a lot of people in some of these households. And, and the idea is to enter a home and, 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 see, and see the mission go beyond just random individuals and extracting people out of their normal life, but to actually see the gospel penetrate a whole household. 
Now remember, we're not being like the 72 sent out to town after town after town. We all are living in a neighborhood. And so I want to reverse the application here and say, your homes, your households are actually the focus of mission. If you could see your home not just as a retreat center where you hole up and try to watch Netflix or get recovered or whatever, but as a place of ministry, that's, where, that's what's going to change our world in the days to come. And I know most of us are going, no, you don't know my neighbors. No, I do know your neighbors because I live in a town too and, and a neighborhood as well. And it's sometimes hard to break through. But when you do, when God breaks through and you find those openings, whole households start to hear it. Whole households start to change. And by the time you get to the book of Acts, you'll see this. The way the church expands in the gospel or the book of Acts is through households. The Philippian jailer and his household were saved. Lydia and her household were saved. This is the way that God's going to reach the world. It's through hospitality and living lives that are free and unencumbered from the possessions and worries of this life so that we can be on mission, our greatest purpose, and our wonderful privilege of serving the king. But it's not just households. It's also towns and cities. At some point, we've got to move beyond smaller thinking and think of larger thinking. And by the time you get at verse 8 and all the way down, Jesus can't help himself but talk about towns and cities, places that we've never heard about. But he is saying, when you enter a town. And, and so in verse 12, it's very, it's very stark that if, if, if people in a town, if a town won't accept this message, he says it's more bearable for, the, for Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom. It's more bearable for them in the end times judgment than for that town. Have you read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Don't let your kids read it. It's awful. And, and Jesus is saying, they did not welcome the message of God and they were judged harshly. And even today, if towns don't receive this message, they will be judged even worse in the end. Now, how God judges the, the responsiveness of a whole city, I have no idea. That's on him. I'm just saying he's expanding our vision and our methods from individuals to households to whole communities. He mentions towns like Bethsaida and Chorazin and Capernaum. These were three cities in Israel. These were Jewish cities. These were cities that should have been responsive to Jesus, but they weren't. And then he mentions towns like Tyre and Sidon. These were towns outside of Israel. This was enemy territory. These were people you would write off in responsiveness to God. And they were the ones who were turning. It says they, repent, they would have repented. That means to turn. It's not just to make a, a decision. Yeah, I'll accept Jesus. No, it's to say, I turn my life from that to Jesus. So don't trust your eyes in any of this. The people we think will be most responsive sometimes aren't, and the people that we would go, no way about them, are the ones hungering to be set free. Be faithful on, mis on mission. That's our means. That's our message, and that's our method. Go out like that church every week. You come here, and you come to celebrate what God has been doing, and then you go back out, and you live on mission. That's the longest of the three points. There's 
Really great ways, by the way, to develop this in your life. Alpha is one of the, you, you, many of you are gonna invite kids to Botter, Beulah on the road. That's a good thing. Alpha starts getting it a little bit closer to like the way we live life. And then I'm gonna even push you farther to see your house and the place where you live, work and play become the center of mission. And there's great ways to keep growing in effectiveness in those ways. And then with towns and cities, planting churches and, and seeing God multiply places where God is at work. That's, that has to be a part of your vision. That's part of the 10-2 challenge. So that's going out. Then we get to report back. So let's look at verses 17 to 20. <clears throat> 17 to 20, I'll read them. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, don't get a big head. That's my translation. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. See, when we report back what God's been doing throughout the week, it does at least four things. It reminds us where the mission really is. You know, sometimes we get it mixed up. We think things are really happening on that day of the week in this building, and things are good here. This is a wonderful place. But the real mission's happening in your towns, and your neighborhoods, at your workplaces Monday through Saturday. Notice that they returned from somewhere. The real mission takes place wherever God sends you when you leave this building. It reminds us of that. Secondly, it recognizes the lordship of Jesus Christ. Notice that when they come back, that, that, look at 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord. Now stop for a minute. We read the Gospels and we think, well, yeah, they always call him Lord. True, they call him Lord a lot, but they also call him rabbi. They also call him teacher. But they call him Lord here, and I believe it's on purpose, because if you look back at verses 1 and 2, which we've already read, but you may have missed it, notice that after this, the Lord appointed people to go. And in verse 2, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask who? The Lord of the harvest. When you live on mission with Jesus Christ, you will experience the lordship, the kingship, that he is in control over your life, where you go and what you do, more than just about anything else. We often talk about the lordship of Christ in, a, in the way we live without sin and live pure lives, and that's true. The lordship of Jesus does show up in the way we live our lives purely in independence on him. But equally, and maybe more so, we know the lordship of Christ when we go on mission because we watch him at work. Live on mission, and you will discover the lordship of Jesus Christ more than you've ever known it before. Thirdly, it reinforces spiritual realities. The reason why people give you a blank stare sometimes is because there's spiritual forces at work that are keeping them trapped. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that the God of this age, that is the devil, has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe. So no wonder there's not responsiveness at times. And so when we're on mission, we get to see God open those eyes. We get to God, see God break down those 
spiritual forces that we sang about earlier. It reinforces that they, they come back and they go, Jesus, you're not going to believe this, which he totally believed it. Even the demons submit to us. And he, he follows it up, verses 18 and 19. I'm, the reason is because when you go on mission, I'm giving you my authority. Because we do what he does, and we go where he goes, and therein he will show his authority in spiritual places. But you do you remember what I said in verse 20. Don't, man, Christians get real weird with this stuff too. Like, oh, I've got the authority, I'm gonna go take, no, 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 listen. Go in the authority of Jesus, but just keep remembering, you're just given a gift that, other, that God gave you. You're just giving it to others. Don't get all prideful. Don't get all arrogant. Lambs among wolves. Let the authority and the gift of Christ continue to shine. And then lastly, it rehearses who really does the work. Notice in verse 20, Jesus, or in verse 17 at the end, that they say, even the demons submit to us, how? In your name. It, it, re, it reinforces and rehearses the fact that God does the work. God does the heavy lifting. He always does the heavy lifting. But if we never report back, we don't get to hear this from each other. We never get to hear what God has done. And it's interesting to me, we are not told what these stories are. But I think there were some pretty cool stories. And if Jesus was right earlier, there was probably some rejection and resistance. But it doesn't matter. We come back and we share what Jesus did. I shared Christ with somebody and got hit square in the nose. Praise God. <laughs> That's reporting back. It's not just reporting the good stuff. It's reporting all the stuff. Go out, report back, and that results finally in praising God. Follow along as I read verses 21 to 24. And, and I'm going to read it and just notice how many of expressions of praise are here. At that time, Jesus, full of joy in the Holy Spirit, that's a reason for praise. Through joy in the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned, yet revealed this to little children. Yes, Father, and this was to your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Praise God that Jesus reveals things to us and to others when we're on mission. And then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. We are better off than the kings and prophets of old because we see Jesus, the King of kings, at work in us, around us, and through us, and that's what it means to live on mission. And I'm telling you, your worship services and your worship times will be fuller than ever before if we go out and report back. So before we close, put your things away, and I, I just want you to, to prepare for this week ahead. Maybe you want to close your eyes, or if that helps you focus. If not, just think about where you're heading this week. 
What do you know you're already going to? What are some of the events? What's the schedule? Where will you be? Start to see the people that you'll see. You probably know many of them. I want you to see their faces. Even to press on to maybe see their hearts. And I want you to pray that Jesus would fill you so much and remind you that your life is inseparably linked with his and that he's sending you to these people. And then I want you to think about next week's worship service or small group or wherever you meet with Christians next and commit in your heart that you're going to say something that Jesus did in you or through you or around you and give God Jesus, thank you for this mission. It's a privilege. Forgive us that we forget about it sometimes, but thank you that you use us when we're intentional and you use us in spite of ourselves. So thank you. This is your mission. Holy Spirit, enable us to live it. We commit these things to you in Jesus' name.